0: Capsquarter.com coming to you live from the place of Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, April the 24th. Um, man, what a week! I, I don't want to steal that. That's definitely the shtick of another podcast, and I don't really care because it, man, it just feels like every time we come to do this podcast, there's just a whole range of craziness that has happened. Um, you know, like the NBA offseason is better than the NBA season. I, I mean, if Virginia hadn't just won a national championship, I, I would feel like Virginia basketball's offseason was kind of like that, but. What a week. Uh, we will talk about Kyle Guy's decision to uh, stay in the NBA draft. We will talk about all of the um, things that that necessitates for, for the Cavaliers. Uh, spring football is wrapping up. I mean, I feel like we have barely talked about it. Have we even talked about it at all? God. Um, other than, I guess, Broncos being on the um, Cavs corner conversation, we really haven't. So we are going to spend a little time here at the beginning of the episode uh, talking about that ahead of the spring game on Saturday before we get started let's go around and introduce everybody up in Fishersville David Spence is back on this program how are you my friend
1: I'm doing well Brad. we're still national champions um,
0: <laughs> for now
1: spring basketball is weird It's still taking me a, while, a little while to get used to spring basketball who uh, days on the board at who days on Twitter
0: also happy birthday belated even though thanks um, I, I thought my joke on your birthday was was pretty good You're Um good. Uh, Up in Arlington, staff writer Justin Ferber, also on the program as he watches the Caps uh, and the uh, Canes. Wow, I really struggled there for a second to figure out who they were playing. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Uh,
2: Just trying to, you know, read the tea leaves and sources say, and, you know, it's that time of the year. Add Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter.
0: Uh, Cats Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Um, All right, so we're going to start with football and i I think loosely, I want to piggyback off of something uh, I wrote God what was that yesterday? It feels like a month ago um that this is the most inconsequential spring in recent memory. Does anybody have a a take different than that or a because i i mean not that as I said in the, in the thing, like it's not that I think that these reps that these backups are getting or or these you know young guys are getting they're not important but like the team that I watched on Monday morning is not the team that Virginia is going to put on the field against Pittsburgh to open the season. There are so many injuries and so many guys out. um, And, you know, even that beyond that, like guys who are probably could practice, but, you know, it it makes sense to get some, some reps for some young kids. I I just kind of, I kind of come to the conclusion that while this, these practices have been important and there will be a day down the road, right. Where we look back and think, um, that this is, this was good uh, I just don't think that that day is today And I don't think it's as important for the fall In the way that, you know, last year I mean, shoot, we talking about Bryce, seeing Bryce Perkins for the first time You know, it was about a different offense There was a whole lot more in the spring I, I know that it's been overshadowed because of the You know, the basketball team going and winning and all that stuff Dave, what, what's your general... Like do you? I don't want to say do you care. That's mean. But like, where does football even like rank right now? You just mentioned like it's like spring basketball. It's, it's weird. <laughs> like, where, where where does spring football rank? And, and what do you kind of think about what you've seen and heard throughout the spring?
1: I mean, it's still important to me because I'm I'm a huge football fan. Um, it this year's just different, and I was kind of thinking about it before we got on the air, like because we haven't talked about it much just because of all the basketball hoopla and that's what that's what the the listeners are, are paying the good money to hear um but it's just it's i think it's an unusual year because we were good and the pieces that made us good for the most part are back um, namely the quarterback you know, and the most important position in the game these days and I, mean, I don't want to say there's not interest but we also know that you know we've been distracted so so i'm 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 interested i think but I also think Broncos kind of earned some, some leeway, like, you know, as a business owner, he's kind of the employee. Now I don't have to check in on him as much, right? <laughs> like I know what's going on. I, I don't need to. And the fan base is a little more even keeled. You know, I don't feel the need to kind of build their excitement by, by, you know, really diving in. And obviously I don't have a whole lot of access to spring practice, but um, I don't think we need to, like single out players and prove that they they may be something because we've seen we've seen players develop and perform. and you know certainly, there's some positions I'm looking at, but at this point, Broncos kind of just earned my trust, if you will, yeah, I mean, I think that
2: the boring part of it is um more a component of, like Dave said, a lot of the key players coming back. And then also, like Brad said, you know so many guys are out hurt, so you kind of just you know, you look at position battles and all that and you say, you know, this doesn't really, this isn't really what we're going to see in the fall. So it doesn't really matter as much from a rep standpoint. You know, you're not really seeing the whole first team offense or the whole first team defense, but really overall, I think that the fact that we kind of know what to expect or like, you know, when the, when the whistle sounded and the belt bowl was over, we kind of had a pretty good idea of what the depth chart would look like this year, or at least, you know, there's a plan in place the roster management wise to, you know, with Jordan Ellis leaving, for example, you have a bunch of guys there to replace him and the reps have to sort themselves out, but you kind of know, you know, that won't really, we won't really know for sure who's going to be doing what until the fall anyway, just because there there's more reps to be had and then obviously the injuries at different positions and, and what have you, and then any players that they might add between now and then, and then obviously you get all the freshmen in as well. So I think that, you know, it, it, spring football is always kind of like a watered down version of what you see in the fall just because... Um, this year might have more injuries than, than other years, but I can tell you from experience, like usually this is the time of the year that guys are recovering from surgeries because it gets them back in time for fall camp. So uh, it's not unusual to see a bunch of guys not participating or be limited. So I don't want anybody to be alarmed by that. It's just, it kind of makes things, it it gives you a glimpse at maybe guys that might not play as much this year, but could play down the road.
0: Right. I kind of think that To your point about guys getting surgery, like, if you think about the guys that are out, those aren't even dudes that you would, like, not to make a a basketball comparison about everything, but, like, Jay Huff gets hurt when he gets hurt, and he misses out on so much off-season time that in terms of where he was when the season started, it it was not where you would want him to be because of the timing of his surgery and then the rehab and everything, right? If you think about the guys who are out this spring and the guys who are the most experienced a lot of them are the same so they're not even dudes that you would think like okay it's bad that they're missing not just spring football and practice but off-season conditioning right because they can't do this or they can't do that now one thing I want to note I don't think I've done a um, I don't know if I can take myself to task not to not to give the customers a reason to to not want to come into my store but like if you are hurt all right if you're injured you could have like you, you could be in a walking boot, you could have an it'd be in a knee brace, and they're still at practice, right? Dressed out, they're not participating, but they're doing some weird stuff with the strength and conditioning folks on this on the side, all right? At one point Monday, I saw them dudes were like had they were they were in some sort of like, like imagine if you were going to go down on on and, and do a push up, right? But instead, you did the bad push up where you put your butt in the air, right, and you made yourself into like a teepee, right? It was like. It was like a string of dudes in, in that formation, right? And there was one guy underneath them who was crawling on his stomach And doing like a belly crawl underneath like, you know, what amounted to like a bridge, right? And he was like going through the tunnel And I, w- I was like, what in the world is that even, like what is that supposed to be? It was the strangest thing, uh, remains the strangest thing And I, I frankly, I don't know, I don't know what purpose that really serves Other than to, to just give them
1: active and that kind of thing um, I want to talk... remember we saw that we we saw that something similar. I think it was the first spring game, the spring practice. There was a couple of guys who were not participating. and the entire event, they were like taking turns carrying each other on their back. yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah crawling around the field. Um, so it clearly is not just a Griswold thing. That's a culture thing,
0: yeah. I want to talk a little bit about things that are I don't know interesting or uh, things that maybe folks can get excited about, right? So, this is a team where we know, I mean, last year, right, there was all this talk about Bryce Perkins this and Bryce Perkins that, and there was so much, you know, debate about the quarterback position. But we all pretty much knew that it was going to be Bryce, um, even if, you know, he had didn't have a, you know, a great deal of experience or anything like that coming in. Um, as we look to this fall, we know a lot of the particulars, kind of like what Ferber was kind of outlining. And we know, all right, so-and-so is going to do this and so-and-so is going to do that. But what we, you know, what we can sort of and what I think fans are excited about is not just like some of the known commodities, but also too, you know, the idea that some of these, you know, they're going to get to see some guys that maybe they don't necessarily, you know, get to see all the time. Right. They're going to get to see a few new pieces. Right. You're going to get to see somebody at outside linebacker to, re- to replace Chris Peace. You're going to get to see a new running back, whether that's PK or or Talia Papa or one of the other guys. Um, what are you excited about? Dave, we'll start with you. What, do you. what do you genuinely, you know, genuinely, generally, either one of those words, however I need to speak, what are you excited about in terms of the way that this spring has gone? And maybe I – don't, I don't think you're going to be able to, to be there Saturday, but if you were going to be there, what you, What yeah. would you be looking forward to?
1: I yeah, think, I mean, I, th- we, I think – We've got almost go, – go ahead, Justin. <laughs> Didn't he ask me?
0: I think I asked Dave, but that's oh, okay. Man, go further. No, name. no, no. Go further. Go further. You're distracted. Okay. It's okay. You you, you go.
2: Hey no nah, I'm locked in. Um <laughs> except for that whole missing who the question was directed to part. Um no nah, I like the wide receiver position just because there's so much influx there right now. Uh I mean I, I don't like I told you guys I don't think that we can just take for granted that you're going to be able to replace Alameda with other guys, right? Even if you're piecing together his production through three different players. What he was able to do drawing guy, uh you know attention away from other guys on the offense and really allowing things to open up for other receivers, particularly Hassis, who became a pretty consistent second option. I, I think that, you know, you can replace him with other small guys that are quick and maybe could develop into what he was, but he was so polished and crafty and, you know, able to make plays in space, had good hands. I, I think that he's gonna be a tough guy to replace. Uh luckily you're pretty you have your outside guys back. Uh, I mean, Joe Reed, uh, he showed a lot of flashes down the stretch last year, particularly in the last two regular season games um, at last three, really. Cause he had a big game against Liberty too. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that the inside receiver position is definitely the position group to watch. And we probably won't know how that's going to shake out until the freshmen get here, because there's a couple guys in that class that might be able to come in and, and compete at least with Tavares Kelly and Billy Kemp and others. So I'm really interested to see how that shakes out. Uh, I don't know. Like, again, I don't know how much we're going to find out over the next couple of days and in the spring game, but I I think that that's a position that is intriguing, if nothing else, because Lamedes is such
1: a – he's such a tough guy to replace or find. I probably would have said the same thing, going to wide receivers first, so I'll switch it up a little bit. Um, I mean, there's a lot of stuff on the defense. You know, Brad Mitchell replacing Chris Peace, and then you're replacing two potential – you know NFL draft picks in in the secondary with some interesting pieces, like Devontae Cross and Chris Moore back, and you know some young guys who didn't play much last year. Uh, so there's a lot a lot there that is interesting, but yeah, I, mean, I, I didn't pick them just because same thing, like I, I feel like this this defensive staff has has done so much with with you know a mix a mismatch of pieces over the years that I figure they'll they'll find enough guys to make a good defense. so. I'll stick with the offensive line. You know, given the given the guys who have, who've kind of missed the spring, um, just all the reps that the the young guys have gotten and cross training, you know, you're starting to. Swoboda's always been like an interesting prospect, and he seems like he's put on weight now. And um, you know, you get someone that size, and then you add, you know, Fannin's healthy, and then I can never I can't pronounce his name, so I'm just going to Olu- call him Olu. Olu <laughs> Watini. Yeah, I would have gotten it right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, some interesting pieces with, with you know, Meyer and, and Nelson and all those guys as well. So offensive line can go from a from a patchwork unit to a to a position of strength and you add that to a to an you know, to a quarterback who's year two in the system, um, with a finger that he hopefully can fill now. And then all of a sudden that offense can start to open up and you know, when you think about how last year ended and how many of those losses were close, like things can get exciting real quick.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's time for the offensive line to to go from a unit. We talked about this last year from a unit that was bad to a unit now that is serviceable to a strength. Right. They've they've had they're in year four now. They've had time to to recruit the guys they want in the system and get those guys matured and bigger and stronger and learn the system. So I think it's time for that unit to turn the corner. And I'm pretty optimistic about, you know, who they have on the team and, and what they have, you know, coming in the pipeline down the road. So I'm not saying that you know, I don't have a good outlook there. It's just, it's time for like, when's the last time you had a good offensive line, probably yeah. 2011. So, I mean, cause, and that group had a bunch of pros on it. So, I mean, I think it's, it's time for this, this offensive line to to show some results where like other position groups, like quarterback and wide receiver have over the last couple of years.
1: Yeah. I mean, I know the access to spring practice hadn't been the same this year as it has previous years, but, um, or at least it doesn't feel like it has. Maybe it's been my distraction. The, uh, but I feel like in the last, every, you know, the last couple of springs especially, you know, when we read your reports, Brad, it was always like, you know, the offensive line, you know, they're definitely going to need the grad transfer to plug in here. I haven't gotten that sense. Like, you know, we've got grad transfer coming in, if I remember correctly. Um, but I haven't, I haven't seen any of that. Like, you know, he'll need to plug here because that's the weak link. Like, it, it seems like even without the grad transfer, we could probably be a, a better offensive line than we've seen. Um, Tom will tell, but. That's something, like Justin said. That's something it that sh- should be happening now, and hopefully, is. Yeah, agreed.
0: Last thing on football before we move to the to the silly season. Um, I don't think I, I, to Dave's point just a second ago about being a, a better offensive line. I would say it like this: I think if you had Marcus Applefield coming back, I would feel dramatically better about this group. Um, I, I don't know if Gellerstedt is is at that level in terms of the the impact that he had compared to what um, Marcus had last year. But if UVA just had to roll with the guys that are already on the roster or guys coming in, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that that you needed to sound any alarms. I I think tackle, it seems like to me that they're trying to figure out who the center will be. And then one of the, uh, whoever is not the center will be a guard. And then the question becomes whether Rankinsmeyer fits in at guard or they want him at tackle. And I've heard, differing opinions I mean for a couple months there it was going to be guard and now you know it seems to maybe even be trending toward tackle so but I mean that flexibility and his flexibility is really important um you know Haskins needed to put on weight Uh, my guess is he can still do that as he's rehabbing after his knee injury um I just I just feel like they've got some good pieces but to Ferber's point I think he's exactly right like this is the year that the, the offensive line has to go from uh, being a potential weakness to being at least A moderate strength and I'm not saying they Got to be you know top five in The ACC or anything like that but it wouldn't be A bad look for them to, to improve and be um, Consistent so I think That's definitely something to look forward to and I'm, I'm curious To see what they put on the field Saturday When you know you're, you're a lot of those Offensive linemen are going to be playing a lot of Reps uh, in an offense versus defense Sort of situation uh, Let's take our first break of the evening uh, Cats Corner podcast brought to you tonight by Thorium Wealth Do you own a small business? Do you have a hard time finding partners to help with the kinds of problems that you face every day? Thorium Wealth is the business owner's financial partners. Data-driven personal service focused solely on the needs of small business owners makes Thorium Wealth different. The advisors at Thorium Wealth have spent more than 35 years working with the unique financial challenges that business owners face every single day. Unleash the power of Thorium Wealth to help you and your business grow and prosper. You can visit ThoriumWealth.com for more information and full disclosures. That's ThoriumWealth.com, T-H-O-R-I-U-M, Wealth.com. Our thanks to Thorium Wealth for their support of this show and all of com. All right, so Kyle Guy decides to stay in the draft. Many of us shocked, uh, surprised, somewhat confused. I-, I think in part because we never saw any, I don't know, mock drafts that had him going. Um... I, I kind of think that there's a couple of things at play, and I want to talk a little bit about that before we move into uh, what to do now. Um, I, I know that from from our conversations that you both were surprised, just like I was. Um, I, I I tend to think, and in talking to some folks, it, this is this is what I've gathered that it wasn't necessarily that Kyle saw uh, you know or heard feedback that said, "Hey, you're going to be a first or second round pick." It was you know you could be a second rounder um but you have a really good chance to uh to have a two way contract and that's sort of what my guess is is that that he looked at the financial side of what his likelihood is going to be and he still decided you know what that's that's still the route I want to take i want to preface our conversation by saying i don't fault kyle for his decision you know i've, I've seen people out there that say oh it was a, a you know a, a bad look or what have you like ultimately like it's his decision right it's his life he he he's fully within his own right his own uh power to to make his determinations even if he even if he thinks um hey this is a good look and you disagree that's that's okay but like ultimately i'm not going to bash a kid or begrudge a kid for deciding you know what i want to go make money doing this thing that i'm good at um i think for a lot of people because it was he was the third right because it was that end of an era, like I wrote about, like that was the piece that sort of clicked into the sadness, right? I think people saw, you know, knew Dre was going to go after last year, and then ties in, in so many of these first round, these mocks with in a f- first, ground, first round grade. I think Kyle was the one that everybody sort of assumed, and when he said, no, you know, I'm going to stay in the draft, I think for a lot of people that was like a real, a real hard thing to, to swallow. As you guys have had a few days to process it now, what are your general thoughts about that decision and and where do you kind of come down on, um, not just that, but also to like trying to, to reckon with legacy and all that fun stuff.
1: I mean, initially I was, you know, I was kind of bummed as a fan, like, you know, selfishly, um, and shocked because I mean, not shocked, surprised, mildly shocked that not that he has stayed in, but that he announced it so early. Right. I mean, he has plenty of time to make that decision. Um, but there it was. And some of that's because, you know, I, I talked down a lot of people who were freaking out when all four declared, um, saying, look, you know, we're definitely losing Ty and Dre, but there's a chance we get Callum Omni back. Um, and all of a sudden, you don't, right? Um, and kind of like you, I mean, I, I mean, not, not exactly like you, but I started to think about why would he not, you know, why, why would he do it? And yeah I went I, him and hauled, and I't I think it was an athletic article I shared with you guys on on pool from Michigan and why he'd made the same dis- same decision, and a lot of that stuff kind of rings true. Um, I mean, just talking talking from a, a purely um, basketball standpoint, you know, if he finds out what the what the what the NBA guys think is he needs to show he can handle the ball some more well, is that really going to happen if he comes back? Can that happen in the scheme of the offense, especially with the team as it will be constructed next year? Probably not, because he'd be the guy you need to score. Um, so maybe you can do it against the non-conference, but when it comes to winning Tom, you're going to pretty much be the same guy you were before. And if that's the case, how can you possibly eclipse what you showed them last year? Um, the shots you hit in big situations last year. If anything, you're only going to... open yourself up for more criticism of why didn't he improve. So I understand why he did it, and I'll support him and hope he gets a contract. But it certainly changes a lot of things for for the team.
0: One thing, Ferber, before you go, I just want to – I think the one thing we have to be careful about is your point about pool and the athletic article is is definitely spot on. If, like, you were thinking, all right, Kyle could come back, could, you know, run some more – you know point or at least initiating offense get his assist numbers up show more you know more ball handling you know give himself some versatility and not just be a strict scorer be a true combo if if he could do that you know maybe that would be different and to your point like with the roster being what it is maybe he doesn't get to show that i think we need to to be careful though not to make the mistake in thinking that that's the feedback he got because it's just as likely if not maybe even um you know it's just as possible if not likely that the feedback he got was it's really not going to matter if you, if you go back to school or not. Um, you know, you need, you, you're going to be who you are, right? Um, the thing that, you know, the whole you know, no parachute thing, it, it, it is very evident to me and just my, my read of the tea leaves that ultimately he, he decided to stay in in part because if you don't stay in, if, you, if, you, if you're still flirting with it, in, so to speak, the the NBA guys are not going to give you uh, the the benefit of the doubt, so to speak. Like you have to be all in. Well, and, and I wonder if part of his calculus here was if he comes back, they don't have as good of a season, which it probably. I mean, you know, how can you expect him to go back and win the national championship with you know everything they're losing and everything? It it would be tough, and so I think we have to be careful to try not to to say what we think the NBA would say to him, I, I think it's very possible that he and Ty would be in very similar situations where it didn't matter if they came back, right? Like they were going to, they were as high as they're going to be. Um, I, while we look at Kyle's game, when you can see places where he could add some stuff, maybe that's not the feedback he got. Anyway, sorry for, I, I cut you off.
2: No, nah, I mean, that was pretty much what I was going to say. I mean, the, the fans might not see it this way necessarily. And every situation is different every player situation is different all the people around them are different um but i would say if you just do the math on it it's probably a wash at best if he comes back the the factor so what are the variables that would make it worth it right the one is i guess you finish your degree if you haven't already done so another is potentially you could improve your draft stock, but a player like him, I feel like he's kind of shown what he can do. I, like, yeah, like you said, maybe he, car- he he handles the ball a little bit, but I don't know if, if he's really seen that way. He's kind of a spot up shooter um, and yeah, maybe he can play a little point guard, but I don't know. I mean, there's so many good point guards every year in the draft. I don't know if that's going to like take him into the next level. Um, other things that could maybe help him is maybe the draft is weaker next year. Uh, but but again all of that stuff you can flip the other way if he comes back this year and like let's say he regresses a little bit or has the same exact season he probably doesn't improve his stock the team is worse and maybe he's just not getting the attention or whatever maybe that doesn't help um he could get hurt uh anything like uh, the draft could be stronger next year at wing position like you know you just don't know so I don't know that it's necessarily everybody just assume because um, because he's not necessarily in a lot of mocks and if he is he's not he's not like considered a a guy that's like a, a surefire first round pick or anything like that he's he's probably if he gets picked it's going to be at the bottom of the second round um, people just assume like well you can't you know that. There's no way you could. If if that's your prospect, then maybe you should just come back by default. And it doesn't necessarily work that way. I mean, so everybody's situation is different. And if he thinks like, well, I'll be in the same position again next year, maybe he's just ready to go go ahead and and start making money and and pursue that career dream, right?
0: I mean, that's certainly the place that I am with it. Is if if he thinks that there's a very a good chance or even a likely chance that he's going to be in the same spot next year. You're not going to go out any hotter than he did. I mean, he's the, he was the most outstanding player of the Final Four, right? Like, what's he going to do next year? He hit three free throws to put his with point six seconds left to put his team into the championship game, right? He had he averaged nineteen and a half points in the Final Four. Like, what else is he going to do, right? Like, he's just he's not going to he has a certain set of skills, right? And he's going to be who he is now. Even if he added to it, maybe he adds a little versatility to his game. But, dude, that's something he can do while he's, you know, in the in the in the G League or, you know, playing an in, insert name of country here. I, I just I just think that for those of us on the outside, it, it is it is totally understandable for folks to be bummed that he's gone. Right. I'm bummed that he's gone. I I loved covering that kid, you know, and and I love covering all three of them. Do I wish they were back? Heck, yeah, I wish they were back. Um, I would love to have another season with those dudes. Uh, but at the same time, like sometimes, man, it's just ready. It's time. The situation, the story, it was all kind of you know perfect. And for for him to make the decision he made and to do it now, in some ways, helps UVA because they can go, move forward without being sort of held hostage by the possibility. Like they don't have to keep that spot open for him. Now he can you know he makes his his decision. It's 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 there. He can he can move forward how he needs to, and UVA can do the same. And one of the things the Cavaliers obviously are looking at is what are they going to do at guard because. Dude, there's not a whole lot. I mean, we can get into the ins and outs of the, the the scoring and the lack of it coming back. But there's like, what is it, Dave, 50 points per game? 50, 60? What is the number, points per game, that these three put up on average?
1: Uh, Round yeah. poll. You got you got to come to me faster, man. You got to give me a clue. I can't remember theirs off the top of my head. How much um, those guys up. were accounted for? Yeah, that yeah I'm leading? Trying to think of like it how much was like forty-eight
0: point seven. So it's basically right. fifty points yeah. a game. So there's right. like fifty yeah. points that they've got to they've got to figure out. Um, and that includes
2: Jack and Marco, okay, which weren't fair. a lot, but it's something.
0: So they got to figure out. You know, by and large, that's mostly the the big three. So obviously, and anybody who hasn't, you need to check out Ferber's. Uh, table setting and and explainer i I thought it was just amazing um so you you've got grad transfers you've got uh 2019s who either had a coaching change or were remained uncommitted 2019s who are now 2019s because they reclassified like johnny jazang um did this evening um or potentially you know sit sit you know whatever transfers and just kind of taking your lumps i want to I want to segue this into the discussion of the houseers because I think that conversation—it kind of—I don't know. There's a collision of sorts, right? If Mamadi Diakite does stay in the draft, suddenly your 2019-2020 season is not in any way, shape, or form like comparable to the one you just had, right? Like you're talking. 6th, 7th in the ACC probably, you know, a fringe NCAA tournament team. Uh, I know everybody looks at it and says, oh, you know, Virginia, the system, you know, I made a joke on Twitter, like, you know, now Tony Bennett's going to win Coach of the Year and people are going to lose their minds. But you think about if Mamadi stays in the draft, which, heck, I mean, that's definitely likely. Excuse me, definitely possible, not likely. Don't throw things at me. Um, There's a very different reality for Virginia going into next season than not and I want to have this discussion about the Housers because I know those some of us disagree here I am of the mindset that if you have the scholarships taking them guys that you know you can plug and play even if they have to sit makes sense in the in the in the, in the sense in the sense that your 2020 class doesn't have to come out like gangbusters right you can have a good group but Dave did some number crunching the other day and figured out that basically Joe Harris is the only first year dude who has ever scored ten points or more in a game in 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 a season in their first year for tony right so yeah. so if the if you're how if you can go get the housers you can bring them in you've got a solid three four and a solid true big that work in the blocker mover i mean that makes sense to me now I know different. you know different people can you know have different opinions, but to me it, I almost don't. I almost don't even know if it matters to me if Mommy does or doesn't stay. I, I almost wonder if that's not the right move, Dave. I know you and I have had some different discussions about that. Where where's your head on that currently? Do you think that Virginia should go get the Hauser brothers? If so, why? And if not, why?
1: I if you if they had to make the decision today, I would say no. Um, if just because I think you need to explore some other options, and I, I like the Hausers, I think they're really good players. Um, but they're going to basically be nothing but scholarship. They're going to take scholarships next year, which limits your availability to one or two scholarships, depending on Momdi's decision. Um, does your calculus
0: a, does your calculus change if you know Momdi is going to stay in the draft, and therefore they have four spots yeah. instead of just three?
1: Yeah, which is why them coming later in May to visit makes you know makes it you know something I'm a little more open to and because you've got some time to, to figure it out. I think without Mamadi, they've become a borderline no-brainer, um, but I don't think they're a complete no-brainer. And I like both of their games. If we were, were just talking Joey, I would say you take him regardless. Um, and that's not as slight as Sam. It's just he's going to be a one-year guy. And as you mentioned, like even the one-year transfers under Tony, like a, a good season for them was eight points a game yeah you know, um anthony Gill averaged eight point six his first year, and he was pretty good you know so it's not not the best bad like adding eight you know eight here eight there when when your team goes up to, is one of the best in the country at defense typically is a big deal but I just think it's a lot to i think you're take you're sacrificing a lot of what you could be this coming season nineteen twenty um by Burning, you know, holding two scholarships for guys who can't help you this year. If you have other options now, if mamadi has gone, you've got two extra scholarships. Now you can go play with maybe you get luck, you know, maybe th- lightning strikes and jazane comes, and then you can go after another guard. Um, but if it's just three, I, I think for me, like the Howzers are okay. We've we've beaten the bush and so we can't find a guard and a wing, so let's just take the two we've got and, and go. But Even then, I'm not 100% sold on them. I am 100% sold without Momedy. What do you think? Yeah, I
2: mean, with without Momedy, then that's a completely different conversation. I
1: don't even think that is
2: a conversation. I think you just take them. But um, because for one, it hurts you next year, and like next year, I'm not saying you just throw it away. But without Momedy, it it changes the calculus quite a bit. And also, just having that one extra scholarship is huge. Like, it, it would allow you to still play for next year, and also. Kind of, you know, plan for the future, but we had this discussion last year, and uh, you know, the the question then was different. But the question was, would you rather have Braxton Key sit out this year and then play the next two, where you would need him more, because the th- the theory would be Dre would be gone and so on and but so yeah. forth. Or would you rather have him play this year? And my theory is always you don't just punt the year if you have a shot. And I think UVA still has a shot to be pretty good next year. So I don't think that you just say, well, we'll just get these two guys for 2021. And and they are great players, like I said. And we have completely reversed course on this, I think, because when they first announced they were transferring – you guys were like, I don't know. And I was like, no, these guys are good. We should go get them. That's
0: true. You're absolutely right.
2: (laughs) But then I started thinking about the scholarships and was like, I don't know. And honestly, before Kyle left, I would have still been like, yeah, you just go get them, right? Because I think he could have spelled Kihei where you needed him to. um, And and you would have had, obviously, he played more minutes than anybody on the team last year. So that's a piece that you know that is going to be there and play a ton. But without him, now you definitely need to go get a guard next year. Even if you're even if you're like, well, we're probably not going to be that good, you still have to get somebody. Because like, what happens if the worst happens and Kihei like, tears his ACL or something? You're going to have Jaden Nixon well, playing point guard. Well,
0: good job, Ferber. You just tore that kid's ACL, man. Good That's job. That's not
2: how it works. <laughs> But I'm saying – no, what I said is the opposite of how it yeah, works. That, that he would be plays if I didn't game. say anything. That's true. <laughs> no. So, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you'd have Jaden Nixon playing point guard. No offense to Jaden Nixon, but he ain't playing very much. So uh, you have to go get somebody, and I think a grad transfer makes more than – it's easily the most sensible option because you can get a guy that's played and a guy that isn't going to eat up a scholarship for multiple years, and your point guard options in the 2019 class just aren't – there's not very many guys left. And you obviously aren't going to take a guy to city year because you need him for this year. Um so I think that should be priority one. Obviously, the player you're going to get isn't going to be at the caliber of the Hausers or Juzang or anybody else, probably. But you can—that's a—that's something you need, right? Then, like Dave said, I, I completely agree. You kick the tires on your other options. If Juzang wants to commit, you take him. And then if if you don't have two scholarships, you just say like, all right, it didn't work out um, with the Housers, right? If for some reason that doesn't work out and he goes to Kentucky or wherever, which is very possible, and there's no other options, you can't really get a grad transfer that you really feel like helps you, or a guy that's immediately eligible, whether that be a 2019 or a 2020 reclass candidate, um, I think then then you definitely explore it. And if Mamadi goes pro, then there it's, it's a no-brainer if you can make it happen. But um, I, I just... I feel like they're good players, but you you know you only have thirteen scholarships. You got to try to figure out how to make it work without completely just throwing a year away.
0: And you have thirteen scholarships, and and, and all of them can't be tall dudes, you know. Like yeah, and that's yeah,
2: like the twenty twenty. I mentioned today in that article, like twenty twenty reclass is a possibility. But really, the way I the reason I mentioned that was one to just put the Juzang stuff there because he's already pretty much in twenty nineteen. And also because other teams have been doing that over the past few years to add guys late like Marvin Bagley or uh, there's Joe another
0: example. Joe Baker did it. Right, Joey Joe Baker. Baker
2: did it. Um, there's been a few other recent ones where they've added people. Ashton Hagens from Kentucky. Right. Um, it's a good way to add people late. But if you look at the guys that could possibly reclass that UVA is interested in, Juzang was the one that made the most sense. And he can help you right away, um, obviously. And And then the other one was Walker Kessler, who I know has been – potentially down that road, but that he doesn't help you at all. Like, I mean, he helps,
0: you, he helps you, but he's not a guard. He yeah.
2: helps you a lot, but he doesn't help the roster because then you have six bigs. Like all that, all you're
0: would, doing is basically averaging out the height yeah. of the roster because he, he, he is he short.
2: You just, just run out a team with a, a seven foot guy at three. Like, you know, and just <laughs> hope the best.
1: it'd be all blocker yeah. number. Four. Yeah. I mean, the other thing with the houses that is a concern to me, and I don't know if you got shared, I mentioned it to you, but, um, you're not guaranteed to get Joey for two years. Like, he's the better NBA prospect. And no one's to say that after sitting out a year and practicing, you know, granted, they'll help the team as practice players next year. Um, but there's no one oh, to yeah, say those that. Oh, yeah,
2: practices would be awesome. Yeah.
1: <laughs> they would be killing it. At least for the bigs. They'd be really good. Um, the uh, There's nothing to say that you're going to get two years out of him. So you could be sacrificing, you know, basically four scholarships, two, you know, two scholarships for two years for 2 years of playing time um and and that's so maybe if the and I don't know how you can get reassurances of that if, if if Joey has a huge huge year after sitting out a year like no one's going to keep him from going pro um you can't otherwise then you're sacrificing you risk not getting a player later so there's just so, so many moving pieces that I don't think it's a slam dunk that I thought it was initially um and also and maybe I'm off here but I do think there's you can't punt the year. You, you can't go from a like you, you can't go from a national champion team to you know tenth in the ACC and this in the tourney and expect to get the full kick out of the 2020 class that you could just by being competitive next year. Um, then you got to risk the, guy, the good guys you have on your roster, like thinking, hey, maybe this isn't for me. Right. I'll move on. Hold on, hold
0: on one second. Um, hold on, hold on one second. I'm gonna, I'm gonna interrupt you because I want to make a counterpoint. Yeah, recruiting is weird. Okay. When they when they after remember after twenty sixteen the reason that they had Marco and the reason they had Badoki and they couldn't do anything with those scholarships is because dudes did not see minutes. Bad teams, yeah, with yeah. with a with a with a pedigree of winning, they usually rebound quickly because you can go to a kid and say, "Dude, we won a national championship and we had good players. Right now, I need help, and you can be that guy." If you have minutes and you have an opportunity, I actually. I, I, I don't think you punt a year. I'm not trying to try and argue that point, but I do think that the idea that like their 2020 re- recruiting would struggle because their 2019-2020 season wouldn't be as good or would be, you know, borderline bad. I don't know if there's as much recruiting logic in that as that. That's a thing that sounds realistic in the real world, but in the recruiting world, it it's not always. You know, one to one. Sometimes it just doesn't make sense. And this is one of those ways. Like, I, I, I always talk about Clemson that year. They got like 80 points hung on them. Within three years, they had the best defense in the ACC. And that now, you know, their defensive line is crazy. Why? Because they sold the crap out of playing time. And, you know, we need, you know, that, that the, the message in recruiting of we need dudes like you to be good again is pretty dang powerful. But at the same time, I get where you're coming from, that you don't punt a year. And I don't, I don't think you go into the decision thinking you're going to punt a year. I think you go into it doing the best you can on, and with, with, a, with a mindset of how Tony Bennett has built this thing, it's not to take grad transfers and one-year dudes. You know, like he, he built this by getting guys who buy in, who stay, who, 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 who lift it together, right? They'd have to do a lot to make next year's team much more viable. Does that make sense? Like you'd have to do some promising playing time and stuff. And I just don't, I just don't know if that's going to be a thing they're going to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I guess my point is if you take the Housers and Mamadi, even if Mamadi doesn't come back, you run the risk a little more of next year being a punt year because you're just going to have less pieces that could potentially break out just because two of them can't play. Right. Um, and then you add the fact that they're gonna be on scholarship and kinda of taking away some minutes for the twenty twenty guys, you run the risk of the double whammy if if you can't you know, you see what I'm saying? Like Yeah, I
0: got you. Now, yeah, got you.
2: now you, you can, can create a log jam at
1: the
0: wing,
2: yeah. Right. I mean you could end up having like a bunch of guys and then you already have McCoy. Um you know you could end up having a situation where and then if you get Juzang and then somehow get them both and that's your three guys or something like yeah. then you have a ton of wings and it's like who, you know how you're going to the 2020 class would almost be a wash probably at that point or it wouldn't be it w- you wouldn't be able to get guys
1: at that position I don't think yeah if it's me I just I just offer Joey a scholarship and tell Sam we'd, we'll take him if he <laughs> if he's able to be thing. a wash. tell Sam to, to go to Wisconsin sure. if Sam <laughs> is <an> immediately <laughs> eligible
2: grad transfer I wouldn't need this would be a this oh, yeah, would be a yeah. like yeah. But I guess since they're both sitting, you know, it it just kind of makes it tougher. And, and honestly, like I said, I didn't really feel like it wasn't the move until Kyle announced that he wasn't coming back. And then it became like you have a position that you absolutely have to fill, which is the backup guard spot.
0: Which is really so funny that leaves,
2: because that leaves two available scholarships. So you can either take them or you can try to do something to help you this year um you know it depends like let's say joseph convinced the kentucky then i'd be a lot more on board with you know what like if you're not able to get someone that can help you then you're just gonna have to play cody statman more you know let him figure it out play casey morsel more Mm -hmm. play justin mccoy more um and do the best you can and then roll it out a really good team next year
0: the thing that with the numbers being what they are it's almost like okay, I agree with you guys. If if Diakite stays in the draft, it's a no brainer. You take them both. You go get two guard pieces, and you know, you, you yeah, like, you just get
2: the best possible guys you right. can to help you right away, or you get one guy and then pocket the scholarship. If or they're whatever. gonna
0: if they're gonna target a combo and a true point, right? Um, which is you know, if they, I think ultimately what they're what they're gonna do is. They'll let the, the Hauser situation play itself out over the next few weeks. They'll wait till them, you know, they'll, they'll bring them in for their visit, and by that point they'll have some more information. Um, my expectation is they'll get at least one grad transfer, a guard who can be at least a backup point guard. Um, but what they really need is a, is a combo who can play. Who, when I, and when I say can play, I don't mean, like, is able to play or knows how to play basketball. I mean who can ball, right? Somebody who's going to put up some numbers. Um, I think in the calculus for me with the Housers, it's like you're already, you're already probably with those scholarships in 2020, right? You have McCorkle. You've got two more. You know, even if the Housers come, you've got two more, right? If you're probably already going point guard wing, right? You're probably already looking guard with those two spots. If the Housers do come, you are muddy in the water in your, in your front court. There's no doubt about it, right? Kafaro, Shedrick, Huff, they're going to be counted on this year, whether Diakite comes back or not, especially if he doesn't. But then you'd also have these two other pieces that then would play the next year. And so the question is, like, what does that do for your development? Is that going to mess things up? I think that's a very real consideration that you have to sort of weigh. And so I kind of think that what they'll do now is they'll just focus on the guards and let it all sort of fall where it falls. And that's probably the right call. Uh, before we get yeah. into before we get into any more discussion, let me stop and do our, our, our second ad break. Uh, Caps Corner Podcast also brought to you tonight by Ask Landis, a company based in Charlottesville that specializes in helping you downsize and declutter. Serving Central Virginia for the past 10 years, owners Stephen Landis and Brandon Lloyd have been helping folks all over the region clear out things from their homes and businesses, as well as providing a turnkey solution for those who just need a little help getting from point A to point B. Not only will Ask Landis remove anything that you don't want, but they'll also make sure to recycle whenever possible, which is pretty cool. Maybe you're getting ready to put your house on the market. Maybe you're going to be cleaning out a garage or a business basement, something like that that you've been putting off for a while. Whatever that case may be, let Stephen and Brandon do the work for you and help to declutter your life. You can give them a call today for a free consultation at 434-249-8383, or you can visit their website, asklandis.com. That's A-S-K-L-A-N-D-I-S.com for more. Our thanks to Ask Landis for their support of this show and all of CavsCorner.com. So as we kind of put the pin in this specific discussion and probably wrap up uh, this episode of the show, I guess I don't necessarily want you guys to give me a forecast or, you know, what your expectation is. I, I am curious if there is a guy out there, grad transfer that you're aware of that you really think would fit. Not necessarily somebody you've heard you guys involved with, not necessarily somebody who, you know, it, the tea leaves are pointing to, just in general. Because I'm trying to get a sense of like, in talking to different sources, like the needs are all over the place because you know there's so much uncertainty and and i think there are some maybe potential grad transfers on the market who aren't out there publicly right that might be in the portal but they're not you know out there um or they're out
2: there privately and not in the portal
0: right exactly that kind of thing um or guys who maybe are in one pool with the NBA declarations but then could cross back over Into the uh, transfer side of things But is there a guy out there Ferber that you've Looked at heard of you think Man this dude would be perfect
2: Um I mean Honestly the point guard market's pretty thin And that's kind of what you're looking for but like I mentioned In the piece today again If Kihei is back and playing the minutes that We all expect him to play you're probably Not going to get a guy or target a guy That's necessarily there to be A starter right um I think, you know, like if you tried to get a guy, like uh, the guy I mentioned from high point, he averaged like 20-something points a game or whatever. Like if you if you think you're getting him, like he's probably going to expect it. The reason he's transferring is to get to a bigger school and play, right?
0: I would think so, yeah.
2: Johnson at UVA. He's looking to be, you know, a guy that's an impact transfer, like Cunningham at Louisville this year, for example. Um but, yeah, I mean, I, I think that you kind of have to scour the role-player market and figure it out. Not a ton of guys come to mind. I mean, the two guys I mentioned in the in the thing today, Gresham and Brown, um, are both players. They're one. Uh, Gresham goes to Northeastern, Brown goes to UCF. I think those guys are both role-playing guards uh, that could have an impact. Other than that, I mean, it depends because if, like, let's say the Hauser thing falls through um, or the Juzang, or both of those things fall through, right? You probably need some kind of like a combo to play, uh, and and I think there's a bit there's a better market for that. Um, the the Wayman Mary guys are definitely interesting. Uh, Milan and Matt Milan and Justin Pierce, but the problem that UVA is in right now is their season went so long that they have all this catch up to do on the transfer market because all these other guys are are deep into the process, kind of like Braxton Key was mm-hmm. with UVA last year. I mean. The, you know, I don't I don't remember exactly when he committed, but I felt like it was kind of that thing that thing moved after the season ended. Um, and a lot of these guys like Justin Pierce, for example, like he already took visits to, I think, North Carolina, Michigan and Notre Dame. So, I mean, I don't know if you're going to be able to get in with him. I, I think, like you said, the the best player might actually end up being somebody that hasn't come open yet.
0: What about you, Dave? Is there a dude out there who who's caught your attention that you would love to see UVA get involved with?
2: Yeah, sorry, I meant Terrell Allen, Terrell Allen, not Terrell ah, Brown. Okay, cool. I don't know why
1: it's Terrell Brown. Yeah, I was trying to look that one up. Um,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't, yeah. I'm sure there me, is so. a dude named Brown in the yeah. transfer portal. There's about a
1: million guys in there. I don't. I mean, I mean, there's, there's a few. It's, yeah, I, mean, I think you got to go point guard for a grand transfer for me. Like, I know Jalen Cole's name kind of came up today and on the board. That one doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, even though I think he's a decent player. Um, if Kihei was, was it wasn't a second year on your roster next year, maybe that makes more sense. And if you weren't so well positioned with, you know, Wit and uh, was it Beekman or whatever, uh, yeah,
2: Beacon. yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: that's what I mean. Like, you kind of just need a stopgap guy yeah. to fill a year. Yeah, and you know, I think Terrell Allen makes sense. Um, There's I can't remember the guy's name. Is it Cameron Justice? Maybe the IUPUI guy. Yeah, I think he went there. Yeah, he's
2: kind of more of a combo. Um,
1: Yeah, but he can handle the ball. I mean, he's a
2: good player though. He's a good
1: scorer, and I think he's looking at some pretty big schools. Yeah, but he. What I did, as I, I think he's a really good offensive player. I didn't see enough on the defensive end and think, make me think he'd be a. You know, he would fit well on that end, but who does? um, Outside of (laughs) outside of Tony's. So, yes. I don't know. I mean, so I did you're right.
2: make a I did make a list yesterday. I have like a bunch of guys, but and you kind of named off some of them. But yeah, those guys, um, J- Javin Cumberland from Oakland, like yeah. he's another one.
1: So he's kind of small though, isn't he?
2: Yeah, he's a, he's like a combo, but he can play point guard. His uh, brother, I believe, was the Cumberland that was really good for Cincinnati. Um, yeah, and then yeah, Donnell Gresham from Northeastern. And some of these guys, like Christian Keeling from Charleston Southern, he's like a combo, but he could carry. You know, he could he could pick the ball up, but it's like he's down the road with a bunch of other big schools already. So I don't know how UVA kind of fits into
1: the picture for those guys. Right. Yeah, I mean so for me, you got to get one, right? Assuming, but <laughs> not to get it back into scenarios again. But to me, if you get Jazang somehow, right? I don't know if I and. Then I get back to the Hauser thing. I'd rather have two Housers in Jazang, <laughs> or a grad transfer point guard in Jazang? And I think Jazang kind of – Mamadi back in Jazang certainly changes things. Um, so I don't know. I mean, let's assume we don't get Jizang. Um I think Terrell Allen probably makes the most sense just because he's a guy who's shown he's he doesn't need to shoot. Um we could use the scoring, but and he, he can score. <laughs> yeah, but, I was going to say, if he wants yeah. to make some shots. Yeah, but, but like I think that shows, that shows he's willing to kind of play with what he has, right? And Yeah, um, th- that's exactly what you need. A guy that's going to say, like,
2: uh, you know, UVA just did a great thing this year. I, I want to be a part of that, and I want to play a role, like Nigel Johnson did, right? Yeah, I mean, there's going to be games where he shoots 10 or 15. But he, but he was, yeah, he wasn't perfect, but he came in and said, you know, like, he didn't have to start. You know, he just kind of played his role and had some big games um it was capable could you know could play without you if somebody needed if if, like Ty needed a spell he could come in and play like you know that's what you need you need a guy like that because if you don't if you don't get a guy like that you don't have a guy like that like I mean unless you want Casey Morsell to play point guard and that's just not really his game and also he's going to be adjusting to playing in UVA system anyway so it's kind of like do you want to add that extra responsibility um other than that I mean you got Braxton Key is your best point guard option
1: yeah. You know, yeah, it's just it, it's slim pickings. I mean, if you just if we're just talking about how to make next year's team better and not focusing on 20 the the season after, then obviously your most important commit is gonna be Mamadi Di, Diakite, like to me at least. Like you can argue Jazang versus Mamadi, but if you want to be good next year, Mamadi is a proven factor and as well as he played in the NCAA tournament. Even though you've got other bigs, Mamadi is a proven a proven piece. Um, and athletic enough to play with other bigs, um, and, and cover, you know, maybe you can come back and work on covering the three a little bit, then you, you have some options, but then you've got to add a guy just to give Kihei a blow. Um, but the, the success of next year's team is going to be on the, it's going to be on key imp- improving his, you know, his output, Huff being able to play more minutes against better competition and, and be more consistent, um, Mamadi returning. Kafaro giving you at least jack like numbers when he does play. Um, Statman stepping up. And then Kihei making a jump in his output. Um, I know we kind of joke about Kihei's offensive production, you know, during, well, not necessarily us because we were the defenders of the Kihei. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, there was kind of jokes about it. But if you go back and look at Devin Hall's numbers, Kihei was better. He was a better shooter than Devin Hall was. So I don't think you can like, be like Kihei's going to be a four pointed guy. Game for the rest of his career. Right, um, he can eventually become a you know an open shooter, and if, if that's all he becomes, you know he's it's going to be hard for him to yeah uh, post anyone. So he's going to be a jump shooter, right. jump shooter. Drop. The problem I see for him is that he was
2: getting so many great looks last year because all the attention yeah, exactly. went to the other guys, and now I don't know if that's going to be the case.
1: Yeah, but it, but if he can shoot enough to at least keep them honest, he helps the other guys yeah. too. So
2: and just get better around the rim a little bit. You know, get some fouls, get to the free throw line. But what um, we've
1: seen, yeah, I mean, um, it, what we've seen from Tony at, at his time at UVA is your your best performance is year one. To, you know, the the guys who've been really good have had their biggest jump from between year one and year two in the system um, for the for the wings and guards, and then the big guys get better throughout their career. So, if that plays out, next year's team with an addition of a extra guard to help with ball handling and just the pieces coming in now, assuming Momadi returns, it's not a it's not a punt. Yeah, it's just going to be different.
2: Yeah. yeah, you know, it's going to be you know you're not going to Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome, and DeAndre Hunter aren't walking back through that door. So
1: Hi, unless bro. they're unless it's the NBA All Star Weekend, <laughs> how many times <laughs> are we going to have to tweet or post? Hey, you guys remember we won the championship last year. Yeah, I'm right? already I'm <laughs>
0: already pretty sure that that's going to be. Oh, uh, wait till tournament.
2: wait till the actual game start. Yeah, uh, we <laughs> yeah, don't care. They,
1: they, <laughs> yeah,
0: um, well, it should be an interesting uh, few weeks. Uh, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. Um, Uh, I want to thank our sponsors as well. I did not do that the last two weeks, so I probably should. Um, If you are someone who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Stitcher, I don't know, wherever it is that you get the shows. Um, And also give us a rating because that helps um and don't don't like be weird and say like i talk a lot don't don't do that that's not nice uh if you are someone who found the pond <laughs> but hasn't given us a look on the site check us out at calvescorner.com right now you can check out i got audio from monday as uh bronco talked about the uh, 13th practice of spring um you can check out notes from monday morning as well i got that on the site as well um i ran a piece yesterday like talked about highlighting some of those takeaways um and I think that sets the table pretty pretty well going into Saturday's um, spring game. On the hoop side of things, uh, I had a column this week talking about Guy's decision to stay in the draft and how it signals the end of an era in Charlottesville, um, which at the time when I asked the question at that press conference, forever, I had no idea that that thing was going to be important. Yeah. Um, if you, I mean, you,
2: we're all, we were all surprised. Yeah, but, for real. Yeah, you know, that's that's how it goes sometimes. You can't take things for granted.
0: True. Uh, and like I said before, you definitely want to check out Ferber's uh, explainer on what UVA is facing in terms of the roster, the scholarships, the options on the table. Matter of fact, well, I guess if you're listening to this now, if you're listening to this, I was going to say that would be a great thing to listen to before our, our conversation about it. Um, but if you haven't, make sure you, you check that out because it was really good. It's a tough thing to to get your arms around. Um, So again, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show and thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their time. As always, I very much appreciate it. For David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.